Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, it's a victory Friday edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, of course. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com with me today to continue to break down the Bucks, Going to 1-0 on the season with a 31-29 victory over the Dallas Cowboys at Raymond James Stadium is the one and only Casey Hudson, who was with me for the pregame last night. Casey, excited to have you back on the show, especially because you were in the house as all this happened at Raymond James Stadium and the Bucks oh, yeah. went to 1-0. What was that stadium atmosphere like? Honestly, crazy enough. So you guys know that we did the pregame show. So I was rushing over to the stadium, had right. to park and then run in there, grab my credentials and get to my seat. But the best part, I guess, about being semi late to that situation was seeing the fireworks going off and being able to hear that crowd just completely like radiate through Tampa Bay, walking up to the stadium. You heard fans going nuts from the back of the parking lot. And I think that was my favorite part. I even tweeted it walking up to the stadium. I was like, I think this is the loudest that fans have been in years or ever. So it was fantastic. And then they had fireworks and so many things just kind of honor that opening game. So I think everyone, including media, was just extremely excited to see that home opener begin and go off. And that was just the beginning of the festivities for you. Because if I'm <laughs> if I'm understanding this correctly, Casey, we did the pregame show at Whiskey Wings in Temple Terrace, and it was great. Then we you went over to the stadium, got your credentials, probably got in there just in time before kickoff. <laughs> Then yep. you're up. I don't even know. You probably, what how time did you get home? Like one in the morning? Well, I got there at 120. I was trying to join you guys for post game and get in on all the excitement. I don't get out of the stadium parking lot until one. I get to my house at 125 and then I have to unload the car. Like we had a new Celsius load come mm -hmm. in. So I'm getting that yep. upstairs. And you know, girl, she needs five bags just to get through a media day. <laughs> so I've got the hair bag, the clothes bag, the shoes bag. By the time I get upstairs, you guys are like getting ready to wrap up. So it's like 145, two by the time I pack a suitcase, <laughs> 230 by the time I take a Pack the suitcase, why Casey? <laughs> I was feeling spontaneous. The Bucks won, and I decided to um, hop and go to Vegas for 48 hours. So <laughs> I had a 6 a.m. flight this morning. I took a power nap <laughs> from 2.30. My alarm went off at 3.50. I picked up my best friend at 4.20, got to the airport at 5.15, and this is where I am, guys. Welcome to Vegas. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> By the way, you I asked could, the Peter Report group, I just asked the, the rest of the staff because I knew Scott was out today when he'd normally be on this this podcast the next day. Mm -hmm. I said, like, who wants to come on the podcast or whatever today? And you were the first <laughs> one right away to respond, which I just thought was normal at the time. <laughs> Well, in Vegas, Casey, and you're still <laughs> jumping on the podcast for the people. I know an hour and a half, two hours of sleep. And if anybody needs some insight on my life, I don't sleep on planes because God forbid, if anything happens, I feel like I can rescue everybody. So I have to stay awake. So <laughs> I stayed awake the entire four hour, 50 minutes of the flight. And then you get here and it's a three hour difference. So yeah. no, no concerns, everybody. Everyone's still sober on this side, but you get here and it's like, Oh, it's only 8 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. only 8 a.m. in the morning. So it's like, oh, I might as well get some work done. And you guys are diving in deep and doing so much work on your end. I can't be the slacker. I'm new still, you know? <laughs> well, so, yeah, you, could have, <laughs> you could have definitely said no, but I appreciate you jumping on here and, and giving us your insight, even from Vegas. But hope you have some fun <laughs> stuff planned for the next 48 hours. It doesn't involve talking bucks. But listen, <laughs> while we're able to talk bucks, let's talk about some of the stuff that's happened since this game ended, the Bucks obviously improving uh, 31 and 29 victory over Dallas. They improved to mm -hmm. one and zero on the season. Um, a, a game that left a lot to be desired on both sides of the ball, um, yes. execution wise, or on offense and schematically, player wise on defense. There were a lot of question marks that we'll get to as you were kind of at the stadium uh, and witnessing some of these things. What were because we didn't get you on the post game podcast last night, so I'm mm -hmm. just curious, kind of what some of your big takeaways were, and then we'll dive into uh, Bruce Arians. We'll dive into his presser, some of my thoughts on Byron Leftwich. We'll talk about Rob Gronkowski's amazing performance. But actually, before I get your <laughs> thoughts, Casey, before we get any further, mm -hmm. I want to tell the people about Celsius and the tropical vibe that they've got going on here. Celsius energy drinks, they power active lives every day with essential functional energy. This is the tropical vibe, tropical vibe, sparkling starfruit pineapple edition from Celsius. Central energy flavor, accelerates metabolism. Is that your favorite one? You already yeah, know. it is. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. And you got 
couple boxes. Yeah, I brought you some yesterday, right? Well, when we did the pregame show. Have you tried any of those? A dream come true. <laughs> Two of them got me to Vegas. <laughs> That's what got me through my flight. <laughs> if anybody needs to. <laughs> well, I slept an hour in like 53 minutes, if anybody needs to know. So Celsius got me to the airport. And then once we got to the other side during that flight, when I kidded myself thinking I was going to take a power nap on the plane, no, I took Celsius. And then now I'm here still still going guys like no nap full energy and um yeah tropical will be a part of my evening that's for sure that's great i love it uh yeah tropical vibe man uh that's been one of my favorite flavors but it's it's great energy that you need but without the crash there's no sugar in them mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of flavors and they taste great so go to celsius.com you can use the store locator find out where celsius are near you and you can pick them up at your local stores or you can just order on Amazon, do the subscribe and save option and you get a percentage off. You can subscribe and save, get the variety pack. Uh, you can get a certain flavor if you like it. Lots of options, uh, easy to easy to do, obviously, that way too. So head on over to Amazon and get that thing done. Okay, let's talk about Bruce Arians here and, and some of it. Well, actually, first, let's, let me get your impressions on the game. But before we go into Arians, you're there at the stadium. You're seeing this thing go down. What's your thought process here? What were some of the standout moments and, and themes of the game to you? So something a little interesting is that listening to Bruce Arians press conference between last night and today, because we had our midday one, is he hated the start of the game. Well, not hated. That's a little extravagant. But he didn't love the start of the game. He loved the close of the game. Yeah. Of course, everybody loved the close because of what we happened to pull off, because you have a vet who can do that kind of stuff. We have Leftwich who's getting more and more acknowledgement for how well he actually does um mm -hmm. you know call plays but for me it was almost kind of a reverse i liked how the game started out for the most part i primarily liked the second quarter for us mm -hmm. um it was that third quarter that was extremely sleepy it was most of the fourth quarter for me that was just like what's really going to happen here are we going mm -hmm. to hand them the game and then the fourth quarter miracle pull off in the last what minute and 30 seconds if you yeah. will so it was interesting to me that he didn't like the start love the finish i kind of preferred the start and the finish kind of felt a little lucky to me um Something was that kind of surprised me, and I know that you guys are talking about it. Not a whole lot of play action. I think we had one touchdown out of play action, though. So I kind of felt like they were going to try right. to build off of that and do it a bit more, and it didn't really happen. So I wonder what the disconnect was or the mental errors out there on the field that they kind of have to work through. Um, mm. I know that training camp, you kind of saw some mental errors, and Bruce Arians was getting pretty irritated with that. But one thing I saw in training camp that I was really looking forward to hopefully seeing during the game was Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, they started to really strike yeah. up a hot chemistry there. So mm -hmm. I really saw that becoming his go-to guy. And it's not because I have him on fantasy either, guys, relax. But it's also the fact that I called that speedsters were going to help us get down the field and help us get those yards that we needed. And it was Antonio Brown that did that for us. I mean, he had major plays last night. I was extremely impressed and was really excited because he loaded up my fantasy team, but he also helped me yeah. sound like I know what I'm talking about. So, well, yeah, because you said what well, before the game, he was the guy, and you said Scotty Miller too, and Scotty didn't get going, but that yeah. was because those top three receivers played so many snaps, Casey. I don't know if we expected that going in, even last year when mm -hmm. they had those three guys and they were kind of acclimated to the offense. You know, Mike Evans' highest snap count percentage of all last year did not compare to what he played last night. He only missed four snaps. That was the most mm -hmm. he's played since uh, probably 2019 in a game, and, and percentage-wise. And yep. uh, Chris Godwin played all but one snap last night. Antonio Brown played way more than anybody else for that number three receiver role. So it seems like they are settling in to those three guys being kind of how they run their offense through it. And I – I like that kind of as much as I like Scotty Miller and he'll get his chances mm -hmm. and he only needs a few and he, he played eight plays and mm -hmm. you know, he had a catch that was brought back due to a penalty. He had chances too, and he'll have chances in the upcoming games. Evans will have more chances, but mm -hmm. I like the fact that they're willing to ride with these three guys on the field as long as they're healthy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, last night showed us kind of why not. I will admit I wasn't expecting that. I did think that there was going to be a lot more rotation when it came to Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown. I didn't think that AB was going to be the go-to guy, but yeah. we kind of started seeing that momentum at the end of last season. So I wasn't entirely surprised. And everyone's talking about, you know, seeing that old AB, seeing that Steelers guy, seeing Tony, you know, toe tapper and stuff. 
he was really significant last night, not just because the ball kept going to him, but um, I don't know if anyone kind of caught a glimmer of when he would go off the field onto the sidelines, how he was pumping up his teammates, how he was talking to everyone. Rookies as well as, you know, sophomores in the league have spoke on the fact that AB has been a huge motivator for them to go for more and to train harder and fight harder. So I was really impressed to see that last night. Um, I was a little disappointed in the lack of play action. I was a little disappointed or a lot disappointed in Bernard. He ended up being a key guy for us in that fourth quarter. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, well, what's going on here? Is he going to contribute to the team? Is he just going to kind of be, you know, that third guy that you put in here and there. And I know a Bruce Arians a couple seasons ago that said, if you can't, if you don't have ball security, you don't have job security. So yeah. <laughs> between Rojo's fumble and then Lenny, Mm -hmm. you just kept seeing them get opportunities and Bernard didn't really get his major strides until the fourth quarter which surprised me. So, right. And that's the big thing was we didn't see it before that, you know, that with Bernard, mm -hmm. I think when he was there in there at the end of the game, it was like, okay, he's healthy. This is crunch time. These are the moments that matter the most and he's out there. So he must be healthy. He must yep. know the offense, you know, and, and I think those weren't the issues. I asked Bruce Aarons about it today in the presser and he was just kind of like, no, we're not going to play him anymore. He, he's our third down back, and he's you know that's what he and he's our two minute back. That's you know no, that's that was it. He I, he thought it was a crazy question. <laughs> it felt like, and I was just like, man, your starting running back is over here, like, and, but his own words Looking. could not mentally recover from the fumble. Bruce Aaron's own words, mm -hmm. and Leonard Fournette's out here dropping passes off his face, and you're talking about how the passing game for the backs was very average, and. Giovanni Bernard's sitting on your bench. Like, I think that's a question that makes a lot of sense. Like, he could help you in And that he's way giving and you he production wasn't. at that mm -hmm. position. So I was surprised, too, when I heard his response to you because it was very clip. It was like, nope, he's that, and then that's the end of the yeah. discussion. And it's like, you know, <laughs> even in pregame, we were kind of talking about the versatility you get with a Bernard. So why would he be your last resort? He can run. The one thing I do understand probably from a head coaching perspective is that those smaller guys on certain coverages, they're very hard to put trust in because – in two seconds of a snap, you've got a dirty dancing situation on your hands where the linebacker is just completely dominating your five foot nine mm -hmm. running back. But Bernard, again, made some very, very significant strides for us. So I thought he'd get a lot more opportunity. And I thought that yesterday would have been the game to kind of, you know, work through those kinks and see, okay, how much can we actually utilize him? So for him to do what he did and for Coach Arian to just be like, nah, he's still he's going to stay where he's at it was just kind of like okay but yeah, i think they like, have to protect rojo at this point they've invested in him at season after season he started mm -hmm. out fumbling in at least two major games and then coach arian says the thing about ball security and then gives him another chance so i think they're just really fighting to give him that last leg there yeah and this is the frustrating part uh with rojo because it's been four it's four years now and this is what we said mm -hmm. all off season he's clearly the most talented back on this team he deserves especially because Leonard had not taken the chance and really proven himself either. His struggles continued, yeah. you know, I guess he made some plays in the playoffs, but his struggles were still there. His drops were still there. He still did things that hurt the team like, like Rojo did, but the difference is Leonard seemed to be able to bounce back from those things, stay engaged in the game and Rojo could not. And that's something that you'd hope as he develops and grows and matures. And a lot of things have changed with Rojo that has not changed with him. Mm -mm. He can't quantify that right from home, Casey. Like we see practices and we watch players and we evaluate that part of it. But um, somebody said uh, that my boy Rojo, my ground said my boy Rojo failed. I am so confused as to how Rojo is my boy. <laughs> I feel actually like if I've been too negative to Rojo on this show over the past year plus, but he did fail and Leonard failed and Leonard kind of regathered himself a little bit and, and played a little bit better down the stretch but it's still that position remains a big question mark luckily everything else around it on offense seemed to be very very good the protection was great uh, i don't know mm -hmm. how much attention people pay to pro football focus grades or if they care i've i've said many times that i, I like them uh, but i don't take them as gospel and i've talked about why yeah. on the show again but um tom brady with a 93 grade led the bucks uh, alex kappa at an 87 grade he was second on the offense uh, Rob Gronkowski with an 85 grade, a 90 grade in the passing game for Gronk. Uh, he was third on offense. And then Antonio Brown with an 84 grade, Donovan Smith with a 78.8. Even with the two drops and a fumble, Chris Godwin was a 65.3. He would have had a massive game if not for those three negative plays. So offensively, very few negative grades to worry about really other than Ronald Jones 
Cam Bray because of the blocking. O.J. Howard barely played. Scotty Miller barely played. And I have to see the tape to see why Mike Evans' grade was under a 60 for pro football focus. There may be no real reason there. But that's kind of what they saw when they watched it offensively. And it kind of matched up with what we saw, I think, too, Casey, especially when you look at what Rob Mm -hmm. Gronkowski did. Oh, absolutely. And I I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit when it came to Mike Evans, what possibly would happen, which always happens, the the super lockdown that defenses cue in on when it comes to him. So mm-hmm. I think it was almost the obvious choice. And then when they maybe wanted to go to him, he was in double coverage. But what was really benefiting the Bucks last night is I don't know if anyone else caught it. Talk about a guy breaking through double coverage. Rob Gronkowski makes these guys look like they can't tackle. I mean, at one point, there was maybe three or four catches where you saw three or four defensive players, safeties and quarterbacks, on Gronk just trying to bear him down. He's just walking through them like it's nothing. So that obviously became the better option when they realized that Gronk is back to doing what Gronk can do as a healthy Rob Gronkowski. But I think it just came down to the fact that Mike's either the obvious choice or when it was time to utilize him, he was in double coverage lockdown or he wasn't making his strides down the field. So I like seeing uh, Chris Godwin be so productive because there was so much conversation on to how he was going to look this year being quote unquote more healthy. Um, Mm. Something else we touched on is that he kind of had a little bit of a tangle up in practice and we know how significant that would be so to know that he can come out and play the way that he did and still make those um clutches that he was making and stuff then i think there's a big season ahead for him. like the providers that you have in mind to kind of carry this team through and then sneak in scotty miller for those big plays on the field i guess at some point they, were, they may have wanted to take and that we were all hoping they would take because the Cowboys looked a little bit stronger than even I anticipated. I have to eat a little crow today. Yeah. And (laughs) honestly, you know, the situation with the wide receiver room is going to be fascinating all season long in terms of who produces and how much they're able to produce on a given day, because there are just so many talented players, obviously, but then there's also the way that offense is kind of wired to run, which is, I think, primarily like the slot is going to get a large volume. You know, Chris Godwin's mm-hmm. going to get a large volume. Remember, he dropped two passes, obviously, but even on even that, when you look at his game overall, I mean, he had 55 yards after the catch. He broke two, t- he forced four missed tackles. Gronkowski, you mentioned him, 35 yards after the catch, fit, forced two missed tackles ability to make plays with the ball in their hands was not something we necessarily would have said was a strong point of this receiving Mm -hmm. core a year ago. It was absolutely a strong point last night. Antonio Brown picked up yardage after the catch um, and had a a one force missed tackle as well. Um, So there was, it was kind of a theme of the night was that all these guys made plays and were productive with the ball in their hands, which is really encouraging very much what you want to see um, from this group. So, Doing things to help out their quarterback will be huge uh, with adding, picking up those extra yardage, not dropping the football and fumbling. It will be even bigger um, as we get through this. And so the group is, I thought uh, was more on the same page than, than the drops would indicate. Like I think Mm -hmm. in terms of what they're supposed to do, they look good. Uh, The the mistakes were penalties and were drops, you know, that's just stuff that happens and it shouldn't happen, but it's stuff that you can't necessarily say, Oh, this is going to be sustained every week. They're going to drop pass every week they're going to commit 11 penalties you know i don't think that's necessarily going to happen yeah i think it falls under the category of those early season kinks that you just kind of work through but my only fear is two things last year it seemed like we were a little cursed when it came to primetime games they looked fatigued either early on or they kind of fell fatigued middle through the game um third quarter was quite fatigued in my opinion then you just kind of have the idea that you know aside from a potential primetime fatigue, you want these guys to not play against themselves, not beat themselves. I think so many people have talked about the fact that the Bucks are so good if they don't beat themselves. So yeah, minimizing those turnovers, having that ball security and just really holding clutch to that can help us so much. Cause imagine where that game would have been if we didn't give the Cowboys more opportunities. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, that's what people were frustrated with Byron Leftwich and they said mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, I, I was like, for what? Like, I know that play action, yes, I would have wanted to see maybe a little bit more of that. But again, we're quibbling at some points when what you're mm-hmm. doing is working, you do it. You know, that's what you do. Yeah. And, and, you know, so and was they played through six play action passes. They used it at times uh, to their advantage. You mentioned the touchdown. I think there were, you know, it was at least one touchdown off play action. Brady was mm-hmm. very good off play action once again. Um, you know, but he was also good with just straight dropbacks under center shotgun. It was all working for them. And so yeah. continue to use it all. You know, there's no reason why you should 
uh, feel like you need to get away from that one. The whole it was a matchup where things were going to be available to them, and it were it was if if not for the 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 fumble on the first play of a drive and the interception mm-hmm. off Lenny's hands on the first play of a drive, you know those are first play of drive plays. Then you have the Chris Godwin drop on the long pass on third down that's inside the five yard line, and then you have the fumble that's at the goal line by Chris Godwin. Yeah. So you're talking about a, a situation where this team pro- scores at least two more. I think it's fair when you take those four drives to say this team probably scores at least two more touchdowns if in this game, oh, yeah. if not for them, those mistakes. And that kept Byron Leftwich maybe from putting up a, maybe in this offense from putting up maybe a 40 some point game where people would have been off his back a little bit more, but those mistakes were not Leftwich's mistakes. I felt like what he could control especially red zone play calling creativity mm-hmm. in that area of the field. You talked about the bluff pass to Rob Gronkowski where they had, Brady checks, you know, has him in to block and then set releases him. And he scores the touchdown, the second touchdown, the, the boot that scored Gronkowski's first touchdown. I think mm-hmm. somebody even messed up the play there, but they still found a way to get it done <laughs> on the first touchdown. So it was those kind of things, the creativity in the red zone, his ability to kind of pull out things the teams are just consistently not expecting in that area of the field. It's a real strength of his and it's been a real strength of the team so far. And I'm just excited to see if he keeps this, we're going to be the aggressor approach, even against better defenses. Um, I just think that this team can accomplish way more points wise, yards wise than they did in this game even. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause like you said, there's two extra potential touchdowns that we could have had there if we weren't playing against ourselves. And I mean, it all comes down to positioning as well. I think we were inside the 43 for both of those turnovers. So we gave them like perfect field position to just drive it into the end zone. We didn't even have to particularly force Dak to use that arm or do the deep ball, even though, you know, he, again, did a little bit more significantly well than I was expecting, but he was two for seven. I think Casey on passes of 20 yards or more in the air, he was two for seven. So as much as we slander the secondary, Mm -hmm. some of it was game plan stuff. Some of it was, we're going to keep the ball in front of us. I don't necessarily saying I agree with that, but I'm saying that's some of what the easy completions were was we're not going to let the deep ball beat us. We're going to play good situational football in the red zone. Cowboys were one for four in the red zone. So this is how they'd like to play. I think it's come back to bite them in certain games, but this is how this is how Tampa Bay plays, and they trust their offense is going to outscore them, and it, it came through in week one. Yeah, and I – now they have this opportunity to either go right under or right over. So sitting in the press box, I'm sitting there and I'm like, come on, John and I just told this guy like over 52 and a half. They're barely right there. And then just get that, you know, get that field goal at the end of the game to secure the win. But yeah, when it comes to Dallas, we handed them two very prime positional opportunities to get in the end zone or even the field goal. I will say at one point, I really thought we had it in the bag too, because their kicker couldn't get it together. So between Dak looking eh and their kicker looking like Matt Gay, like I thought that we were going to be in great positioning and then we handed them those opportunities. So I didn't think that we saw the best out of the Dallas Cowboys. They obviously have a lot of potential and ways to go. C.D. Lamb did what we kind of anticipated that he could do to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to those positional opportunities, we handed over two of them for sure. Yeah, that's that was the part that they'll go back and they'll say, well, if we cut out those mistakes, this isn't the game that it ended up being at the end. This isn't take this desperation drive from us at the end. And so I think those will be the things the offense goes back and look at. Let's talk about the defense a little bit and, and what they're going to face now. Sean Murphy bunting. We'll see uh, what's going on with him. Uh, it sounds more. Times Rick Stroud was reporting today that right now it looks like Sean Murphy bunting is going to miss three to four weeks um, with the dislocation. The x-rays were negative. Bruce area instead they're waiting, said they're waiting on the MRI results. Um, so that will be telling in terms of how much time he misses. Um, but it looks like he avoided a major injury right now, um, which is obviously good, even though Sean Murphy Bunting might have been the worst player on the Bucks when he was out there last <laughs> night, not to kick a guy while he's down. While but he's it was down, geez. I know, I'm sorry, but we got to call it like we see it, and he really was struggling. I think he had 13 coverage snaps. He gave up five catches for 77 yards and he was lucky to be the beneficiary of a couple misfires. And he played like 
a quarter. So, yeah, like that. that's what I was going to say. Cause it was what early in the second, if not, you know, late in the first that he ended yeah. up going out that injury, but coverage wise, I mean, I never pegged him to be much of a speed guy, but I didn't yeah. see him unable to really, you know, line up with his mark. But again, something mm-hmm. else that we kind of spoke about is that he's been one of those very roller coaster players. He's had really sharp plays and, and prime opportunities. And then he's just kind of been like, oh, where is SMB this game? Like, what's he going to produce? Is he going to show up? Are we going to hear his name? So yeah. he came out with that inconsistency again last night. Or I can't even say inconsistency. I agree. Not to kick a guy when he's down, but it wasn't as sharp as game. It wasn't very, you know, he wasn't able to really lock down on the wide receiver. But the Bucks need him. You know what? He was out. They need him, though. That's the thing. (laughs) The answers behind him aren't great. (laughs) But I would almost take a Mike Edwards stepping in over as he lost if he figures it out. And then a Jordan or a healthy Jordan Whitehead, Mm -hmm. you know, returning. Um, And then, I mean, is this not the prime opportunity to pivot over to Andrew Adams? We talked about him as well, being that guy that's just that clutch player out there in the backfield. And Mm -hmm. he showed up and locked down some pretty significant plays. So, I, we need him, but do we need him? <laughs> yeah, I think but you're right that Mike Edwards needs to play more, and this is the opportunity to maybe have that happen. And Bruce Aarons actually talked mm-hmm. about that today. Let me find that exact quote from him. Um, but he was asked kind of about – it was a good question by Greg Allman. He asked him basically about if they get the chance, the Bucks get the chance to uh, get Mike Edwards or get uh, Jordan Whitehead back from injury – could it give them more flexibility in their secondary in terms of the way that they play? Would Mike Edwards play mm-hmm. be able to play in the slot some, or maybe Antoine Winfield in the slot some? I think it's more likely to be Edwards. But Arian said, yeah, it gives us great flexibility. Antoine Winfield Jr. has played it in the slot, and Mike Edwards has played it. So it gives us some really good flexibility to interchange those guys a little bit more and still have Ross on the field too, Ross Cockrell, because he can play safety or in the nickel or outside. So it gives us a lot more flexibility. We were thin really fast last night. I am very curious to see how they continue to play this, um, especially if it's matchup to matchup without. If Sean Murphy Bunning's out for the next month, you have tough calls to make in the upcoming games because you're facing some really good receiving cores and you're facing yeah. some offensive minds that will absolutely put guys in the slot to take advantage of the fact that you just lost your slot defender, basically. And I'm not even saying that was a great role for Murphy Bunting, but – it's a significant question mark. Yeah. And yeah. so now, does Edward step in there? Does Winfield? Does Cockrell stay there? A lot of questions, Casey. So many questions, but without shooting my own horn, I think that we saw that Winfield Jr., I mean, regardless of size and matchup, the guy has so much hustle. I mean, he was pretty much matching his mark most of his plays last night. So when it comes down to it between size and um, you know, just strength would be the initial wrap up to lock those guys down. But he was in on almost every like play that he was marked in to, to be on. Edwards, I would like to see a lot more production out of him because I think he has a ways to go. Last season, again, another guy who would come in on crucial plays and make those plays for us or help us out mm-hmm. in those intense moments. So I think that if he's given a more consistent role, he's only going to rise to the occasion. I'd hate to speak against it, but again, I think that that's something that he could do. Um, I think we can exercise that against the Falcons. My biggest fear would be going against the Rams. I think the Rams are a team that's going to teach us a very big lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Like we want to have it all together. We want to really lock in on those mental errors. We got to work out the kinks before we go to LA and play LA because they've always been a pretty grind out team. That's going to put on a good show. So, and now it's at SoFi, which you can only count on them to do more damage. Yeah, Elliot asked a good question. Why was SMB picked for the slot role? Doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, he was an outside guy in college. I honestly never saw him as a slot guy to be. It was a big surprise to me when I learned he was mm-hmm. going to be playing in there. But I think they don't really have a true slot corner and they want big corners and a prototype across the board. And so yeah. they've been willing to kind of use him in that way in their defense. And it works well enough. I think he just has to, he had to play better last year and just didn't. I don't know if it was slot or outside mm-hmm. or what mattered there, but. Um, that was that's kind of the rationale behind it for them. I think just they're going to have a prototype at all three corner spots that they want for the most part uh, in terms of guys they draft anyway and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk real quickly. Uh, Layout Collins, uh, Josh uh, JC Allen just texted me, and I see some people talk about it in the chat. He looks like he's going to get suspended for five games. I think 
I'm not totally sure what it was. I see people saying PEDs. I don't know if that's a report or people just speculating, but yeah, um, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it. it uh, I don't. I don't really think he was that great last night, to be honest. I thought Jack Barrett. I was going to say six pressures. <laughs> yeah, so. I, how often did we really hear Collins' names or really see him make a sig- like make a difference yeah. on a play? Couldn't tell you. So if he is taking that stuff, it's completely a waste to begin with. But even more of a waste if you're not going off in a game. <laughs> not, to, not to completely come at him, but like, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, guy, you better be like completely dominant on the field i couldn't tell you how many times i heard his name at all so yeah i mean it felt like the whole offensive line for dallas did a fine job but at the same time dak was under pressure a lot i think there were 19 passes where he was under Mm -hmm. pressure so the bucks honestly i i'm not the more i think about it the more snaps i watch i do not think i was disappointed with their front last night i think dallas Mm -hmm. did a good job in terms of picking up blitzes getting bodies on bodies and slowing them down and not letting guys through clean but even when they did let guys through clean, Dak got the ball off. And there was lots of opportunities and outlets um, for underneath stuff and, sh- and quick game stuff. And oh, yeah. what's going to be interesting, what's going to be actually probably one of the more telling aspects of this season for the Bucs is how they weather the storm in these first few games, Casey. Because mm-hmm. we mentioned the quarterbacks that they're playing and how some of their tough matchups are out of the gate. But they are facing, and I think one of the biggest difference makers in the NFL is your play caller and your offensive coordinator or whoever your head offensive mind is, they come out of the gate against Kellen Moore, who uh, Dallas and and obviously Mike McCarthy as well, who I have a ton Mm -hmm. of respect for in Kellen Moore, Um, Arthur Smith in Atlanta, who was been one of the best offensive coordinators in the league the last couple of years, no question. Unbelievable with his red zone play calling for Tennessee. Now he's in Atlanta. You've got Sean McVay, obviously in LA. We know what he's capable of. He's torched the box before. Um, and then you've got Josh McDaniels in New England. Uh, that you're right out of the gate. I mean, those are four of those are four of the top ten play callers, probably offensive designers, play callers in the NFL right now. And you face them out of the gate to start your season, and you're probably going to be facing them without your number two corner now. And so it gets easier after that. Certainly, way more question marks of that side of the ball when you get to Dol- the Dolphins and uh, the the Eagles, the Bears, uh, the Saints. Obviously, you know, good in that regard, but there's other question marks with their personnel. So. Right out of the gate, I think they're going to have some of their toughest tests of the season. I would put those those four games out of the gate up there with the toughest they'll face, along with Peyton, Sean Peyton, and uh, and Brian Dable in Buffalo. I would say those are going to be their toughest games. So four of those come right out of the gate. Now you lose Murphy Bunting for some of those huge challenge for the defense, what they do and how they deploy this personnel. I have been kind of banging the table, Kate, like play Winfield <laughs> in the slot. Let's see what he can do. Like get find ways I to get Mike Edwards in all slot. three. Yeah. Like three safeties mm-hmm. on the field that are as good as these guys. That feels like a good thing to me, but the slot is different than safety, especially if you're running a lot of man coverage uh, for yeah. your scheme in that game. So there's still a lot of adjustments to be made for the secondary, even if those guys end up playing in the slot. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, two golden points there is thank God we have a Todd Bowles for one, because you named mm-hmm. a bunch of, you know, immaculate guys who do very, very well at their job and who are going to present a huge um, difficulty to us. But something else, I mean, last season, I genuinely felt like we kind of played up to and down to the level of the team that we were facing. I mean, the Bears game was kind of a mess, sloppy at first, and we played down to their level. And then all of a sudden they just kind of overcame us. It's like we bit the bait on playing a bad game. And I felt like we did that in a lot of games. Falcons, we kind of gave them, you know, a good opportunity to get ahead. And then we all of a sudden decided we were going to climb back into it. So mm-hmm. I think having those four, you know, couple difficult games to begin with <laughs> is going to force us to rise to the occasion and carry that momentum throughout the season rather than finding that stride, you know, in week 10, 11, 12, and 13. Um, my biggest thing when it comes to our defense is that they we were a next man up mentality last year and a lot of guys showed that they were capable of doing so mm-hmm. i feel like this is the year to see like okay how much longevity do these underdogs have or this next man up mentality um again i love the the snb has made some pretty massive plays but his consistency is a bit of an issue and yeah. anton winfield jr what he did as a rookie and what he can build off of and I think he had a heck of a game last night. I think it's only going to get better. And I think Edwards has a lot more tread in him as well. So yeah. I'm not nervous if we don't get him back too hmm. quickly. Um, right. And then we also have You're to think about the fact peace. that. <laughs> You're giving the people hope. I'm giving you guys hope because if he doesn't come back too quickly, we're holding the, we're hoping that Jordan Whitehead will be back, you know, very shortly. And you made a really good point yesterday. I don't know if I can quote you 
specifically, but you were just kind of talking about like the pressure that he adds in, how well he reads on mm-hmm. it, and how he kind of has that as a differentiation between most of the other safeties and corners on our roster. So mm-hmm. bring him in, bring in a guy who just has so much hustle. Like Antoine Winfield Jr. is brilliant out there. You can see that, but he do- he's a till the whistle blows kind of guy. He's mm-hmm. finishing that play until the refs are like, okay, enough is enough. And you need those guys when you play against strong teams. So that's the biggest mm-hmm. reason why I'm not too concerned when it comes to our defense. I think the Rams yeah. are going to be our biggest challenge. I think that Tom Brady has this weird chip on his shoulder when it comes to Matt Ryan. So if it's not our defense playing the best game of their life, it's going to be Tom that. Brady. You think it's personal <laughs> for Tom versus Matt Ryan? I think it's personal. I mean, what was it, 2017 Super Bowl? Like, after he really yeah. just kind of dusted them, every time he's played the Falcons since then, no matter how good or bad they start, Brady's yeah. got a point to prove, and he proves it. So, yeah. you know, they're kind of in that rebuild phase. Even though they have strong and smart coaches to guide them through, they're rebuilding. Matt Ryan's kind of on his last leg, whether he likes it or not, and they, they're in a new chemistry phase for themselves as well. So... You have a a vengeant Tom Brady versus the Falcons who are in a semi-rebuild phase. I think he manhandles mm-hmm. that situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel great about the result of the game. I just I wonder about the match, some of the specific matchups. But the result of the game, yeah, I, I feel very good about how that thing uh, will unfold for sure. Todd Bowles, it's going to be – somebody said it's going to be a huge test for him too. Highest paid defensive coordinator in the NFL, and he'll obviously be matching up with some great – offensive coordinators and so there will be big tests for him as well speaking of big tests we're going to take our coverage to beyond just the pewter report youtube page which by the way if you're not subscribed to pewter report tv on youtube please go over and hit the subscribe button hit the bell to get the notifications when we go live for these shows but we're also going to be on spotify green room spotify green room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk about sports you can jump in there Find your favorite team. It could be outside of just football, your favorite baseball team, hockey, basketball, whatever you're into. You can get on Spotify Green Room and chat on there. Follow Pewter Report on there. You'll get the notifications when Pewter Report goes live on Spotify Green Room, and we'll send those out to you, and you can jump into those chats. Let us hear your opinions. Uh, in addition to just hearing our analysis and our thoughts, let us hear your opinions as well on Spotify Green Room. We have a lot of fun on there, lots to break down, lots to talk about. That's where we get into some inside scoop, behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't necessarily always say on the podcast. We say some of that um, Mm -hmm. on there as well. So it's a good time. So make sure you check out Spotify Green Room. All right, Casey, so the Bucs start 1-0, and obviously there's a ton of positives and a ton of negatives to rifle through in this one. But I felt like watching this game, Bruce Arian said, we won situational football. And I really wasn't sure what he was talking about other than maybe the red zone. That had to be what he meant because third downs, I'm not saying that the Cowboys killed it on third downs, nine of 17. You'll take that any day, obviously, but it wasn't like they were getting, the Bucs were getting, you know, every single third down they were giving up for a while there. It was, it was, you know, they were winning that, uh, that situation five of 11, the Bucs were. So, I mean, it, both sides were fine. It's not the end of the world for either side. Certainly Bucks would like to be a little bit better in that regard. But situational football, usually you're talking red zone and third downs yeah. or fourth downs. In this case, I don't think there were fourth downs. And so I I don't know what he means unless he's talking about the red zone. I mean, in that situation, Dallas went one for four in the red zone and Tampa Bay went three for five. One of those obviously was just throwing a ball away at the end. So that must be what he's indicating. And I go back to this. How many times do we see when we're out of training camp, KC, the Bucks? working on red zone offense over oh, yeah. and over, over again. everything they do. It's in that area mm-hmm. of the field. It feels like they know the importance and it pays off for them in games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll see them start with warmups over there and then kind of trans- transfer over to some other things and then end up back in some red zone plays and seeing how many options they really have and that they can count on in the red zone. Cause we'll see them be more versatile in training camp and practice. And then when it comes to game situations, it's kind of more of a, you know, you kind of lock in on who they, who they might go to. I know Gronk was huge for us last night, but um, I don't know if you recall, but training camp or when it was like kind of wrapping up, we were seeing Bernard in a lot of red zone situations. And we then were. it was just You're like, right. he was so ghostly last night. I'm still kind of pretty baffled about that. I don't know if it's personal or not yet, but yeah. um, to not see, you know, those opportunities present themselves yesterday was pretty surprising, but it could be something that they hold, you know, hold their vest and use against teams when it's very necessary down the line. But 
yeah, that's the only situation in football I can think of because yeah. there were so many chances where it just kind of got put in our defense's lap. I mean, defense mm-hmm. had a heck of a game. JPP and Shaq had a strong game. I think we probably mm-hmm. saw a lot more out of them than almost Devin White and Levante. David, very close, but you know, just a small weird because Dallas hardly <laughs> ran the ball. So it was like it was like the first game in a long time. It felt like we didn't talk about Levante, David, and Devin White. Yep very often. And I'll just real quickly, while, while you're getting that thought, Levante David led the way for this team in terms of PFF grades defensively, 84.9 grade, Carlton Davis with a 79 grade. I really think he played. Carlton Davis was targeted 10 times, allowed four catches and gave up and had an interception and two pass breakups they credit him with, gave up just 43 yards. So yeah. I thought that he played really well. He gave up one 22-yard catch which was a tough one. He was he was still there. And other than that, he really kind of locked it down the rest of the game. I was very, very impressed with the way he played. And if he hadn't played that well, I don't know that the other <laughs> that the defense would have survived that game. But Vita Vea with the third highest grade, Joe Tryon Choenko with the fourth highest grade in his 21 snaps. Everybody wants to know how often Joe Tryon Choenko dropped into coverage. The answer is five times. So maybe not quite as much as people think. Still probably more than he thought he would when he got drafted. Yeah, as a rookie (laughs) opening against Dallas of all things. But um, I'm really glad that you brought up Carlton Davis because for a minute I was just kind of like, he has got to be like, and like CeeDee Lamb's embarrassing this guy. And it got to the point where it was like enough is enough. And he was just really putting his body on the line to make sure that this guy was not going to run his name through the mud at the end of that game. So he really came up high and tight for the Bucks defense. Um, and he's someone else who, in, in crucial moments, we've seen him make very magnificent plays. Uh, I'd love to see a lot more of that. But heading into this year, it could be, you know, an opportunity for him to stop and make this defense more his than kind of spreading it. I need to see those grave diggers from the Washington game and mm-hmm. the um, what's the other from, game from the Saints game. Really, I feel like that was yeah. that in the game were, were statement games. Yeah, and I was kind of hoping that they would come out almost like equally as abrasive as they did in those games. Mm-hmm. But I know it's just the beginning of the season. Calm down. Well, you're coming off and riding this high of reigning champions. So I thought our defense could have been a little louder last night. Yeah, for sure. And this will be Carlton Davis. I mean, he is going to have to be just huge for this team over the next couple of weeks. I said last yeah. year I felt like Carlton Davis was this defense's most valuable player. Not necessarily their best player, but the most the guy that if they lost him, I felt like they'd be screwed. And remember, early in the season mm-hmm. last year, I don't know if people remember, Carlton Davis like went down a couple times with injuries. The Bears game, I believe the – might have been the Panthers game week two – um so the panthers week two i think it was last year and yeah there were just a couple times where he was just you were one oh is he gonna be out because this could get ugly if he's out because i don't know about these other guys just yet and now that mm-hmm. becomes even more important right now with the situation in the corner being uh what it is especially for the next month so carlton davis gonna be a super important player for this oh, yeah. team no question very interested to see what happens with this defensive line moving forward last night vita vea played about 63 percent of the snaps very similar snap percentage for Ndamukong Sue. Will Golston was kind of third. He and Steve McClendon and Raheem Nunes-Roches all played about yeah. the same, 28 to 31 snaps. It feels like they're just, no matter what, they're just rotating, Like at least in this yeah. game. We'll see if that trend continues. But there is a huge pass rush drop-off after Vita Vea, basically, with these guys. There's good players, but McClendon, no Nunes-Roches, they're not really pass rushers, so... This was obviously a game where Dallas was going to be passing every down. That was very clear as the second half got underway and the Bucs just stuck with that rotation. So do they keep mm-hmm. doing that moving forward? If they do, does a guy like Khalil Davis become active? Because teams are going to try and throw on the Bucs. I think the Cowboys and last year some teams too put the blueprint out there. We're not going to waste our time trying to run against a team that's this dominant against the run, at least not until we get the passing game going. And I think it's going to mean that Tampa Bay needs to figure out what pass rushers are going to be most effective for them on that interior defensive line. Yeah. It's almost like they're still quite uncertain because I saw Nelson in quite a bit more than I expected mm-hmm. last night as well. So I think the rotation was either more of a, you know, protection of keeping these guys fresh to, you know, give them longevity throughout the season or really see okay who's going to show up for us each game, because I didn't expect that much rotation out of them. I thought it would be more of a low goal scene game for sure. Um, and then, yeah, as I mentioned, like Nelson was out there a bit more than yeah. I expected. Yeah. And, and 
Try and Trenka said- played 21 snaps as a rookie, you know, right out of the gate. And Nelson still got seven. And JPP yeah. was over 90%, and Shaq was at like 85%. So they basically said, we're going to play three edge defenders on the field together. And that is mm-hmm. not a very common thing across the league. No, and I don't know if it's something that they were just trying out or something that they plan on building yeah. off of because it was pretty unexpected. Um, that's why I can't wait to see what it is exactly we're going to do in terms of the Falcons. I know different teams have different requirements, but I can't say that it really worked for us to where it's something they mm. might want to continue with. Um, I think pass rush obvious situations maybe, Casey, were like third and longs. Mm-hmm. That felt like they had some crazy packages there that – Dallas just like, we're going to max protect and hope Dak gets the ball out quick. Not every yeah. team's going to have those answers. I think they're going to have a lot more success against some other. It's definitely one of those things where I don't know how consistent this is going to be in terms of playing all three of those guys at the same time, but there were a yeah. ton of snaps last night where those three were on the field and a lot in the first half, especially, and you're right, it did not work at all, but I'm not ready to totally throw it out yet. I think Kellen Moore deserves a lot of credit for Dallas. He yeah. really kind of anticipated what Bulls was going to do that he was going to blitz a lot, that he was going to drop out his linebackers, and he just kind of threw it underneath and said, okay, you guys go be coverage players. And they picked up yardage that way a lot in the first half. And so I think he had a lot of answers for what Bulls did, and he deserves a lot of credit too. Mm-hmm. Bulls may have still gotten him in the red zone, though, and that may have been the difference in the game. Yeah, and I mean, what better way to make a difference than in the red zone? Right. And I think that was more of their – I think that was more the, – the biggest idea of it was kind of how we talked about the – the more that you can collapse that pocket and force Dak to run, but you don't know which run you're going to get out of Dak, you know, the better off you may or may not be. I think we just saw a better run out of Dak than we expected because um, he didn't have much time in the pocket. He did have to move and be mobile and either get down the field or start throwing, but he worked through something because he didn't look spectacular, but the guy's work ethic on top of, I think he just had a lot to prove last night, forced him to really just kind of make every snap count so maybe that's why it didn't like work as well as we would have thought but imagine that against a matt ryan matt ryan's not the most mobile quarterback out there he's more of a pocket Mm -hmm. passer who relies on his offensive line to give him the time to get that ball and that release Mm -hmm. yeah it is true so we might see it against the falcons yeah (laughs) Yeah. we might and the falcons offensive line not nearly as good at any spot as dallas's offensive line and so even with zach martin out uh this falcons Jake Matthews, a left tackle, is a solid player. There are pretty much question marks across the board after that, and there have been for a while young players. The Bucks have had some success against that uh, defensive line, or offensive line as well. So that'll be one of the key matchups we talk about next week. Damian with a good point here. We should bring back Hamilton at corner. That's going to be it. What do they do? Is there a roster move here? Is If Sean Murphy Bundy is going to be out four weeks, you put him on IR, you can bring a guy back after three weeks if they're on injured reserve. So – that wouldn't be a concern there. Uh, you you save, give yourself a roster spot temporarily. Does Herb Miller come up? What happens at corner? Um, I don't. Antonio Hamilton. Let's just be real. Like I don't know how much it's getting, they're going to say, but is is he vaxxed? You know that's going to play a role in this for sure. I think whether Absolutely. you know that's happened for him or not yet at this point, we don't know. So it's a good point by Damian. Some move will probably be coming at corner if Sean Murphy Bunding is out long enough to go on injured reserve. By the way, if he goes on injured reserve, just to take a look at that really quickly and let's say he's out the next three let's say he's out the next four games that's Mm -hmm. you know there is 10 days until the next game so maybe that's pushing you know but let's just guess four games and let's say atlanta la new england the dolphins then there's the short week to week five with philly so yeah they might just have them skip that one if they can if philly's struggling like we think they will be and then say, okay, we can win this one without you. Come back strong October 24th against the Bears. That one will need you for. That could be how they choose to play, just looking at the schedule, because he's right on the crux of that short week with the with the Eagles game. Yeah, and I mean, you don't want to force it, so that's where you really hope that these other guys step up. I mean, when right. it comes to Edwards, it's like, how bad do you want this job? Because you've shown really good strides. You just have to do it You're a right. lot more. And, and, that's and if you can play you can really in the slot – Right. If you can play in the slot, you earn yourself playing time, even when Murphy Bunting comes back, perhaps. You know, Mm -hmm. Murphy Bunting could play outside, and maybe it's Dean who sits down and you've proven you can play in the slot. You're able to keep Murphy Bunting outside. Edwards is able to play some in the slot, or Winfield is maybe. Bruce Aarons mentioned his name. Edwards plays free safety. Jordan White had strong safety. And now maybe you've got your best five defensive backs on the field if Jamel Dean is still struggling as he was last night. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and we've seen we've seen good glimmers out of Jamel Dean. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know if that was just kind of a lack of preparation thing. He had a big play on a screen last night, but I was hoping to see a lot more of that as we continue through the game and it was kind of hit or miss. So hmm. he's someone else who's I wouldn't put him equal to an Edwards, but he's somebody else who has kind of come in and done that next man up mentality and been significant for us. But he definitely has a ways to go where it, he needs to look a little bit more prepared and locked in. He kind of bites on those tackles sometimes and he shows him which can cause us to make some pretty big mistakes. But I would like to see a lot more out of him. I just think that you know, and nothing against Sean Murphy Bunting. He he has been a key guy for us for a reason. It's just the consistency on his end as he starts getting, you know, more seasoned and getting that vet status with this team. Yeah, some people have said in the chat, and I think it's worth addressing, give Richard okay. Sherman a call, see what's going on. I'll oh, say this. No. We obviously, <laughs> last time we saw Richard Sherman, there was, it was obviously Richard Sherman was having some personal issues. He was going through some mm -hmm. struggles. I don't know where he's at with any of that. I won't speak to it and won't speculate. As a player, Richard Sherman was still good last year, and mm -hmm. he's a fit for the defense. Schematically, what they run is really what Richard Sherman brings to the table. He would be yeah. fit in terms of the mold, the phys physical mold, the athletic mold, everything that they look for. He does. So I've always said that. I think I said that this offseason, too. I never thought they would go after him. never thought they would. They like the guys that they have, I think. But yeah. if Dean is struggling and if Murphy Bunting ends up being out longer than expected or any injury happens throughout the season and mm -hmm. Sherman is in his personal situation doing a lot better and a lot healthier, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but that would be something that they may potentially look at because of that. So we won't go any further down that path. I know people already think, no way, or yes. Or, <laughs> oh, you saw my face initially. I'm like, no, You're don't like, go there, John, please. No but <laughs> I mean, personal, no, there's no personal vendetta against the guy. I mean, when it comes to talking game, like his size and his ability to get down the field and his matchups when it comes to, I don't know, 80 to 90% of the league, that's a guy that you are going to want on your roster because he's going to be extremely yeah. helpful. Um, I'd just rather be a little bit silent, but I mean, <laughs> the only, the <laughs> only guy, the only guy in all my years of watching and covering the Steelers that I felt like actually could match up with Antonio Brown in coverage. Like I just felt like he was that good of a player that he could actually be like, no, even the good ones couldn't really handle the smoke with AB yeah. when he was uh, in Pittsburgh, but he was one that, so anyway, those were, that was years ago though. And things are different now and we'll see what ends up happening with them. And we're not 100% sure. No, exactly. you are not about a lot of things when it comes to him. Uh, hey, we are hundred percent sure about our friends over at living golf life though. I'm telling you livinggolflife.com. These are great guys. They're great people. They're the kind of people you want to support when they start a business. They have launched their business. This thing is up and running livinggolflife.com. Go head over and check out what they've got. Uh, some great stuff over at livinggolflife.com. What I really enjoy about their stuff is that they take a lot of time and attention to make it look really good in their design. And so they've got polos over there. They've got hats. They've got koozies. They've got glasses. You can see others. Oh, one behind me over here, uh, the the Living Golf Life koozie and the, and the glass over here. So I, I just think. <laughs> They're good. They're good dudes. They're the kind of dudes you want to support. And they also they get it in terms of how this thing should look, how this thing should feel. They get the golf as a lifestyle. You want to get out on the course and throw a couple brewskis back and have a good time. And they understand that. And it kind of goes into the whole mantra of what they do. So check out livinggolflife.com. Check out the golf lifestyle. Get yourself some sweet swag and uh, ask for it for presents too. Do that kind of thing. Get it for somebody else as a gift. Um, that's a good way to handle it too. Uh, won't be too long before. We're in the holidays, so head on over to livinggolflife.com and, and check that stuff out. All right, Casey, final thoughts as we close this thing out on this performance and the biggest question marks you have moving forward. I'll let you think for a second. I'll go ahead. <laughs> biggest, most surprising thing to me in this game, I think, was this play of the special teams. And so that also brings me to my biggest question mark. What happens now? Like Jaden Mickens – has clearly proven himself with that performance. You can't. You took put that, that right guy, out of my mouth. <laughs> right, like that. Is, so maybe that'll be both of ours. But I just, what do you do? You can't bring him back to the practice. You can only elevate him so many times from the practice squad. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Even if Jalen Darden is ready, and Bruce Aaron said today, it's nothing against Jalen. We just know Jaden. We trust Jaden right now, and he's playing really, really well. And I think he's right. I think Jalen Darden's still a great, you know, long term for this team. He's yeah. going to be a big part of the solution. But right now. 
Jaden Mickens is a guy I don't think you can take off the field. So what happens? The Andrew Adams situation is easier. He's probably going to stay up. Chris Cooper goes back down. Do you keep seven wide receivers up? And if you keep seven wide receivers up, you don't have any. I mean, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson do not play special teams, Casey. So if you move somebody else down, like a Grant Stewart that's a contributor on special teams, you lose a body there and you have to figure out how to kind of replace him. So there are tricky layers to this with Mickens that make it hard to like find the wiggle room with a roster spot right now. Well, it does because just kind of going back to that, those guys that you can rely on. I mean, we talked about that a little bit yesterday in terms of the fact that Mickens you can rely on. And last night, I'm not going to lie. The kid was playing like he was fighting for that slot, that job and not wanting to give up that opportunity to anybody, including Darden. So I think we've seen what some of his best runbacks in his entire career thus far. And how do you really kind of look at that and say, no, thank you to, in comparison to a rookie, Darden didn't have the best preseason where you would kind of choose him over Mickens. So special teams was one of my biggest notes because he was quite significant last night on, on special teams. He helped us get up the field and, you can tell that he is fighting to stay on this team and to stay on this roster. It just might not play out if we're looking long-term because at what point do you start kind of focusing on that down the stretch team? You know, we won a Super Bowl. Yep. There's some positions where you're going to have to take those risks and start working on those younger guys and letting them build and grow so that you can rely on them on year two and year three. And your team is all on the same page versus a Mickens that may or may not contribute to this team and actually I don't know, really gel and fit in. There's something else mm. going on there where I just don't feel like he completely fits in, but mm. he's beneficial. Yeah, for sure. And especially in an area where they have not had many standout positive performers for a while <laughs> on special teams. And so actually Greg Almond just tweeted that uh, Chris Cooper has been waived and Jaden Mickens is on the 53-man roster now. So he's not going back down as we kind of expected that. Now mm. we'll see what happens with Andrew Adams. Does he go back down? Obviously, Chris Cooper, if he clears waivers, will go to the practice squad. What happens with Andrew Adams from this point? Does he go back down? And so we'll have to evaluate and kind of see what happens there. Yeah. Um, still some I questions. I think Adams to be needs more of an opportunity. I think Adams needs more time. I think that you want to play be- all the safeties, Casey. Four safeties. I want them all. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all hey, of the them. Cor- okay? If the corners keep playing the way they looked last night, you might get your wish. We might get four safeties and Carlton Davis out there. <laughs> Okay, but one guy really kind of embarrassed half of us. I, I I have an issue with that. Like, I know that Lamb is a talented receiver. Amari Cooper was a lot more silent than I anticipated. But to just to, just to hear Lamb with the first down and Lamb and Lamb and Lamb, I was like, well, is yeah. somebody going to do something with this guy? Like, and he had two drops. Imagine if he hadn't had two drops. He would have really. Yeah. <laughs> he, he helped us on some of those plays. Yeah. So it's like, come on. I need somebody to, to – mm. Again, that grave digger, that real grit that we were seeing in those last couple of games, I mm. need to see that again before I'm like, yeah, well, I'm really leaning towards these guys. It's kind of like, hey, who wants the job? Who's going to do it? Right, right. I, I tweeted it's... a Captain America for Andrew Adams last night because why did why yeah. he happen to be on those plays that can make mm-hmm. or break us in those moments? So give the guy more yeah. of a job. Yeah, I mean, every time, every time he's, you know, he's, he was a guy that started for the Bucks for, for a couple of years, you know, before they drafted mm-hmm. Winfield and Edwards and obviously, and then, you know, now it's a situation where when he gets called upon, he's reliable. And I think Bruce Aaron spoke yeah. to that today about how they were watching him kind of the whole time he's on the Eagles, the whole time going through camp, <laughs> they were watching to see what would happen and see if they could get him back. And then it worked out obviously. Um, so this team very much built like a family in that way, just the same way Bruce Aaron's built that coaching staff. So, uh, we'll be back next week on the Pewter Report podcast. We've got lots to talk about beginning on Monday. We're going to, we actually are going to take a little bit of a break Saturday and Sunday. You'll still see the written content. By the way, if you haven't checked out pewterreport.com today, check out pewterreport.com. There's like 18 articles up on the site today. Um, it's been a lot of fun, but there's a lot of content and there's more coming tomorrow and the next day. Keep popping in over there, checking it out over the weekend. And then on Monday, we'll be back with a podcast. Um, Scott will be back, I know, on Monday. I'll be back on Tuesday with the podcast. And we'll keep you rolling throughout the week. We'll have our game preview Wednesday, guests on Thursday. We'll roll through with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday podcast. Get you ready for Sunday's game, 4 o'clock game against the, the Falcons. So it's been a fun time. Casey, enjoy your time in Vegas over there. I'm not going to say I'm <laughs> jealous. I'm very happy where I am here in the sunshine in Tampa Bay. But I think you're going to have a good time for the next 48 hours, and you deserve it. You had a lot of hard work on that game last night, and 
Let's take some time to relax. I mean, it was like the one opportunity for the, before this marathon really takes off. If That's it makes right. anybody feel better, I brought some of the rain with me, if anyone hears the thunder in the background. <laughs> but it's that last vacation before we're like, oh, we're not going to see the daylight until March. And then who knows, you know, hockey season's yep. at that point, too. So it's true. Yeah. 48 hours. Yep. Yep. I'll sleep on there Monday. You go. Hey, live <laughs> it up. I love it. Live it up. Thanks to the fans Thanks, and everybody guys. for joining chat appreciate y'all uh you guys have been great uh throughout the last couple of days especially with all the streaming thanks for all for all the support g vegas says john definitely needs a break after being online for like 12 hours yesterday i actually got several emails and i actually appreciate this i got emails and dms on twitter from fans actually concerned about like am i drinking enough am i eating enough like because i was on so long yesterday i, I appreciate y'all <laughs> <laughs> i was I like did, he's still talking <laughs> But, I ate almost I mean, nothing for 24 stuff. hours. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was, like when did you eat? I ate after the in-game stream. So we got there. I got to to Whiskey Wings and we set up and everything. I didn't eat anything. And then I, we did the pregame show. I didn't eat anything in the car. I drove back, jumped in. I got in my office, set up for the in-game stream, did the in-game stream. And it wasn't until midnight. My wife brought me like a warmed up pizza of Domino's pizza and I ate it. It was like four bites, but I ate it. And that was all I ate that <laughs> anything until like 11 or today this morning after we got up a bunch of content i made myself wow. an omelet but it's uh, so it was yeah to a whole nother level <laughs> that's right <laughs> exactly right uh, it was it was interesting we're gonna do it again uh, on sunday though so it'll Thanks. be a lot of fun but i do appreciate fans reaching out it's been a lot of fun it'll keep being a lot of fun we'll keep rocking the content for you here and we appreciate y'all jumping in for another edition of the pewter report podcast out yes bye guys